So we're going to read Acts 1. We'll read from verse 1. It says, The former, former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And we trust the Lord to bless his word to our hearts this morning. So just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he appeared to the disciples. He was with the disciples. And he had given them commandments. To, and he'd given them commandments to the disciples whom he had chosen. So we need to understand this wasn't a suggestion from the Lord. This was a command. And they were well aware that what Jesus was saying to them. This was important. They were not to miss out on this. This was something that Jesus thought they needed. We know that he had shown himself alive by many infallible truths. It's recorded for us that at one time 500 people were in his presence. So he proved that he had risen from the grave. He was with the disciples for 40 days and he spoke of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And that's the advantage we now have is that those that spent 40 days with him were inspired by the Holy Ghost to write letter epistles, to write the New Testament gospels. And so we can trust them. He commanded them, as I've said, and he commanded them to stay in Jerusalem. Now, he didn't command them to stay in Jerusalem because that's where he just wanted them to be. He wanted them to wait for the promise of the Father. And you know, church, this was the start of the Lord building his church. This was the start of the Lord building his church. Things were all now coming together. Through his death, man could now enter into the very presence of God. Men could be forgiven for their sins. Everything had been set up, and now this fledgling church, Jesus told them, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. What Jesus was doing, he was beginning to put together the body of Christ with those whom he had chosen. Each one of them had different talents. Each one of them had different abilities. But together, they were going to go out and they were going to spread the gospel. His command for them, as I've said, before they did anything else, before they went out, they'd seen him rise from the dead. They'd been with him. They'd received teaching from him as to what they were to do. But instead of just right out you go, they were to wait his command, they were to wait on the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And we know they did as he commanded. And the power of God moved through them and the church grew. So this was the, the birth, as it were, of the church and the, the, the beginning of the building of the body of Christ. As the church grew and apostles like Paul came on board, he wrote to the church in Corinth and he reminded them of their calling. He reminded them of their duty as a member of the body of Christ. And this is an important little word in their, their duty as members of the bottom body of Christ. They had an obligation. You don't, Christ just doesn't save us and then we just live quietly and go on through life. We have a duty. We have a responsibility. 
when we have Jesus as our Savior. And so that there goes to, amen, not working again. We're having fun today with technical things. Go to the next slide for me, Cameron, please. So we go to 1 Corinthians 12, and we see what Paul said about the body of Christ. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, every one members one of another. Now I know Peter is doing a series on this, so we're not going to go into the body of Christ in detail. But let's break down what Paul said. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren. That word beseech, it actually means to beg, to implore, and to plead. So Paul speaking to the church in Corinth was pleading with them. They were to do something. What were they to do? They were to present their bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So we, as part of the body of Christ, we are to present ourselves holy, acceptable, and here's the difference, church, unto God. You see, you can be acceptable unto the world today, but you're not called to be acceptable unto the world. You're called to be acceptable unto God. You're called to be separate from the world. That is your reasonable service. That is your calling. That is your duty as a child of God, as part of the body of Christ. You're called to present your body a living sacrifice, to be not conformed to this world. And that's the problem for me as we'll look at this later with a lot of churches today. They're conforming themselves to the world. Just read of a Baptist church in South America, well, maybe not a Baptist church, a Pentecostal church in America, and they've decided to open up their doors. They're now an LGBTQ, whatever the, the, the titles are, church. And one young man came in to ask the minister why, and he was physically thrown out. He wanted to know why the change and he was physically thrown out. They were conforming themselves to the world to draw in the world. We are not called to conform to the world. We are called to be acceptable unto God. And when you're acceptable unto God, the world is going to reject you, folks. The world is going to reject you. Every man that is among you, Paul said, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. In other words, Paul was saying we're all serving on the same level. We're all serving. We all, it doesn't matter if you're the deacon at the door, the pastor in the pulpit, the elder at the front brain. In God's eyes, we all have a very valuable role to play in the house of God. No one is more important than anyone else in God's eyes in this house. And we are one body in Christ. Everyone members one of another. And so there we, we, we see it, church. We were called to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And we were called to be drawn together as the body of Christ. And we are called to be not conformed to the world, but to be acceptable unto God. Now realizing that we are one body, I want to take you back 
if you go to the next slide for me, please, Cameron, to Genesis to who? And there we see the creation of man. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground <clears throat> and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So as we look at the creation of man, we see, and we've looked at this recently, man was just dust. Dust formed into a body. That's all he was until the Lord breathed the breath of life onto him. So that means that this body, which was initially formed, was dead, was lifeless. Now, as Jesus opened up the way and died for the sins of men, men were dead in their sins. Men were lifeless, without hope, unable to save themselves. The body of Christ back then and even today is built up, is made of men and women who were dead in their sins, lifeless as it were. But his blood paid that debt that they owed and could not pay. And so to fulfill the calling and to equip the body of Christ for the battles ahead, Jesus made them wait at Jerusalem and then breathed into them the breath of life, the power of the Holy Ghost. Think of a church. For, for, for me, it's an illustration, the creation of man with, with the birth of the new church, New Testament church. God breathed into him then the breath of life. God breathed into him the power of the Holy Ghost. The church was lifeless without his power. Jesus knew that and taught them that and therefore told them not to go out until they were filled <clears throat> with the Holy Ghost. And brothers and sisters, today the church, and I'm speaking about worldwide, the church needs to realize that they are lifeless without the power of the Holy Ghost, working in them and working through them. You know, we can try the wisdom of men and the ways of the world to attract people. But no church will be an effective witness without the move of the Holy Ghost. We were brought out of the world, and the church cannot go back into the world to please men and try and win them for the Lord. Remember what Paul said, be not conformed to the world. He told the church they were to go forward. In 1 Corinthians 2 and 4, he told them, very well known, very Open scripture which lets us know what he's saying. He said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. In demonstration of the spirit and of power. And the church today, worldwide again, I'm talking about church, there is no interest whatsoever in the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Altars have become stages where people perform. We need to turn them back to altars where people seek the face of the Lord and where God can pour out his spirit. Many churches have conformed to the world as I've said. Many churches are accepting what God calls evil as good and what God calls good as evil. Take euthanasia. Just looking at this this morning, I was thinking about talking about this and then I got these leaflets. It says, growing international evidence confirms that weaker laws and euthanasia are never compassionate but put vulnerable people and even children at risk. Even children at risk. And you should research that, church. There's countries where whether you live or die will depend on if you have money. They'll give some excuse that, oh, they're suffering. This is the way of the world. This is what the world's doing. And the church cannot accept it. We're not called to be militants, but we're called to stand for the truth of God. Life is precious. And we cannot accept what God calls evil 
as good and we cannot accept what God calls good as evil. You see, these buildings of these churches, they may be full. They may be radically doing somersaults, rocking the joint, but you know something? They may even be putting envelopes, I've told some of them do this, put envelopes under seats with prizes in them so that people would come to church. But you know something, church? They are not making disciples. They are making decisions. And that's all it is. Because there is no conviction. There's no repenting. Just come on in and feel comfortable. These churches won't speak the truth because they don't want to offend anyone. But you know something? Jesus didn't worry about offending anybody, especially the religious people of the day. You go to the next one for me, Cameron. John 2, 13 to 15, he had went to the house of the Lord just before the Passover. And it says, And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small courts, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen, poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. Church, that's not someone who was afraid of offending people. The religious leaders of the day were making money also out of this. But Jesus, he stood firm on the word of God. The Lord's house is a house of prayer. And you know, when you listen, church, and you read what's happening in some churches today, it should concern you. You must come to the conclusion that we need a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. When you look at the world today, there is no doubt that the Lord is due to return. And therefore, that should be an even greater calling for those of us who desire to see our loved ones saved, desire to see all the lost saved. And we can only do it when we are filled with the Holy Ghost. Look what is happening in the world, church. I could keep you here for an hour at some of the things that I've read that's going on. 50 MPs in England spoke out against this new education system, sex education for children. They're being lambasted. Some of their, 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 their people in the area that, that they represent want them removed. They're bigots. They're homophobic. They're everything. That's the world we live in, church. In England also, I'm not going to go into detail here, but a, a man, a drag artist, scantily dressed, pole dance before five and eight-year-old children. Church, my God, forgive them. What on earth do five and eight-year-olds need to watch that for? What are they learning? I was really pleased to see the, uh, the associations which, which represent the homosexual community in America. They're actually speaking out against it now. They're saying it's grooming. Church, I'm not going to go on because... It just gets me angry. What's going on in the world? A couple of years ago, I preached a sermon, The Battle for the Minds of the Children. Go back and listen to a church. Spoke about Gramsci. And what's, what did Gramsci say? Take control of the media. Take control of the news. Take control of the radio. Take control of the television. And forget about the old people. Teach the young. That's called cultural communism. Church, it's in about today. You see, church, <coughs> we need the Holy Ghost. Why do we need the Holy Ghost? Ephesians 6 and 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Church, we need the Holy Ghost. 
The church needs to hear the clarion call today. Awake, O Israel. You know, when the laborers asked why did their enemies sow tares amongst the wheat, Matthew 13 and 25 gives us the answer. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. See, Jesus told them when the laborers were asleep, the enemy came in. When the laborers were asleep, the enemy came in. Church in the world today, the churches are asleep. They need the fire from heaven to fall on them, to make an impact in this sin-riddled world that we live in. We're not going to do it with our wisdom, but we're going to do it with the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. A Holy Ghost revival, don't forget, church, it starts in you, and then it ripples throughout the church and throughout the world. Read the revivals in the past. A small group of people praying in a room. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And others seen this and witnessed this <clears throat> and sought the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And because the power of the Holy Ghost was there, men were convicted of their sins. It's even said that people walking by churches, men fell on their knees under conviction of sin practically crawled into church begging for forgiveness. That wasn't the, the, the words of the preacher. That was the power of the Holy Ghost falling on them. We all want miracles, church. We want to see healing in our church. We want to see signs and wonders. But you know, church, what the, the Bible says, the ministry of tongues, interpretation, and the gift of prophecy are also signs of the move of God. Where do you get that, brother? Well, I get it in Acts 2. People had come from everywhere to Jerusalem. And the Word of God says they were amazed at what was happening. Acts 2 verse 12. <clears throat> they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? They were so amazed, church. They were so amazed that Acts 2 tells us that 3,000 souls came to the Lord, were brought into the kingdom of God and baptized in Jesus' name that day. 3,000 that day. It doesn't record at that minute there was healings. They were speaking in tongues. They were worshiping the Lord. And this was the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. The Lord doesn't want us to get all fired up today and then go quiet again over the next few weeks. And church, I've seen it and we've We've all got to admit it. Those who have been here for a while. We've seen preachers come and the altar packed with people crying, some even falling down, worshiping the Lord. And then a week or two later, all quiet again. You see, we fail to stir up the gift that is within us. God wants to put a fire in your life that will transform you. That will transform you, church. That will give you boldness to stand before counsel. That will give you boldness to stand for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve under his authority. That will make others take note of your faith, church. That will empower you against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Be under no illusion you will be opposed. But whenever you stand before these counsels, which are trying to corrupt the minds of our children, the wisdom of God will be your wisdom and the power of God will be your power. They were astounded when fishermen stood before these academics of the day and just tore them or their wisdom apart. Who are these men? Fishermen, carpenters, who are they? 
They remained filled with the Holy Ghost. And when they were brought before the councils, when they were brought into the courts, they spoke through the, the guidance of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is what we need today. We will be opposed, but we can claim greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Or put another way, greater is he that is behind us than that which lies in front of us, church. The Holy Ghost can bring unity in God's church. And when God's people come together, do you know what it says? 100 can put to flight 10,000. Leviticus 26, verse 8. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. Church, we need the power of God in our land. The enemy is really busy, church. Really busy. I told you there's plenty of things I could talk about. In, in Brazil, one of the main cities, I think it's the capital actually, there was a satanic parade worshiping the devil as they went along the street. Go on to social media, I don't know what it's called, a pop ceremony where they all give each other awards, Brits or something. There was an individual on stage worshiping Satan. Right for everyone to watch. There's an association, this one really makes me sick. There's an association, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, it's called NAMBLA. And that's an acronym, do you know what it's an acronym for? The Natural Association of Men and Boys Love. And do you know what their motto is? Sex before eight or it's too late. Church, they have a voice. They have politicians listening to them. And are we going to sit in our pews and say nothing? That's our children. That's our grandchildren. That's the future for every church. That's a future for young people coming up. This church will make a stand as long as I'm here. And as long as our elders are here, they're behind me on that. And I know you are too. But we need to be awake to what's going on in the world. How they're trying to influence the minds of young children. How they're trying to corrupt their minds. There's a website children can go on to. And this drag artist, he tells the children, your parents are wrong. But you come onto my website and talk to me and we'll talk about things that you're not allowed to talk about. That man should be in jail. That's pedophilia, church. That's grooming. It's worse than grooming. Look at the state of the churches. The Church of England at the moment, and I pray for it because there's really good people in there that love the Lord. But there's a major split going to happen because their hierarchy are conforming to the world. That's so sad, church. I take no pleasure whatsoever. I know real good people in the Episcopalian church that love the Lord. I met a minister once when I was in England in another church. And in his church, Church of England, they're, they're, they're speaking in tongues, they're dancing in the aisles, worshiping the Lord. God bless that man. But unfortunately, those in the higher places seem to think confirmation to, conforming to the world's a way forward. Church is not. We're called to bring men out of their sins. We're not called to condemn anyone. There's only one righteous judge but we're called to stand for the word of God. We're called to not be, not be conformed to the word. We're, we're, we're called to be acceptable unto God. And when we're acceptable unto God, and when he, we allow him, it's not terrible, when we allow him to 
pour out his spirit, to breathe into us the breath of life as a body of Christ, then great things are going to happen, church. People are going to be challenged. Broken hearts are going to be mended. There is going to be healings. When? When we get to prayer and seek the face of the Lord. When we worship the Lord high in spirit and in truth. When the church worldwide, as I've said, changes back from a stage to an altar, I think there'll be a mighty move of God. A mighty move of God. I don't know if you're on Facebook. I shared a thing about some of the things going on in some of the churches. Scantily clad ladies dancing at the front singing Silent Night, leaving nothing to imagination. That's conforming to the world, and there's worse church. A slide down into a baptismal tank to try and encourage people to get baptized. In the name of God, church, we need in the world a mighty move of God. Let it be here, church. Let it be in me. And you've got to say, let it be in me. New church, it's okay. I don't get offended when people disagree with me. That's just life, isn't it? But I don't think you can disagree that the world needs the Lord Jesus Christ. Lives are being ruined. Suicide rates are up. Do you know why they're up? Because people don't know who they are today. They've no identity whatsoever, and they're afraid to claim an identity in case they offend people. You can't say anything unless, <clears throat> if you're, especially if you're on the TV, you can't make a stand for God or you'll be removed quickly. That's the state of the world. But church, it's not all doom and gloom. The power of God is greater than the power of this world. The God that we serve is greater than the God of this world. The God that we serve wants to use you, wants to use you for his honor, for his glory, because you are part of the body of Christ. There's things that you can do I can't do. And there's things that I can do, believe it or not, you can't do. But that's why we come together, because we're stronger. Two, two three cords tied together are stronger than one cord. That's what the Bible says. But it's up to us as individuals and what we do with that calling from God. Do we really want to see a move of God? Do we really want to see churches, including our own, packed to capacity? Yes, we do. But we want it done the right way through the power and move of the Holy Ghost. Through the power and moving of the Holy Ghost. I want people to come here and feel the need to repent, church. Because they need to repent of their sins. But I want people to come here and find that release. Know that there's something different about the presence of God. Find value in their life. Find an identity to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a child of the living God. I have been made acceptable unto him through the Lord Jesus Christ and through his blood. What an honor, church. We have to serve the living God. What an honor we have to just rejoice in his presence, to know that the Lord knows exactly what's going on. That's the only encouragement we have today. The world may think they're doing well, but you know something? I believe God said there's a line, and that's it. You won't cross it. How will he bring the nation back? Through his body, the church. It's wonderful to think that, isn't it? He will bring the nation back to himself 
through you, through your witness for him, through your stance for the Lord God, through your determination that the next generations that come along will stand for the word of God. And we will not corrupt the word of God. But we can only do it with the power and the wisdom and the love of God. And God wants to pour that into your heart this morning. Let's stand in his presence.